Welcome to MTSU on the Record. I'm Jenna Lowe. There is an island in Polynesia called Maria, about 11 miles northwest of Tahiti. Researchers have published a study in the Journal of Biogeography about the variety of species of macrofungi discovered there. They gathered 553 fungal specimens and sequenced the DNA of 433 of them. Their conclusion is that there are likely totally new species of fungi on that island. How did that happen? One of the researchers and co-authors of the study is Dr. Sarah Bergman, a professor of biology, and we'll ask her about it after this. Here are some of the headlines making news at mtsunews.com, the university's news and information website. MTSU has hired Monica Smith as assistant to the president for community engagement and inclusion. The Board of Trustees approved President Sidney McPhee's recommendation to appoint Smith at the board's April 5th quarterly meeting, with Smith beginning her role the following day. Smith will be responsible for developing and supporting relationships with a broad range of community and civic organizations, including those in arts, culture, and history, religious organizations, and community support, and integrating best practices and university resources across the MTSU campus to promote a culture of inclusion. Before coming to MTSU, Smith served as founder and president of a Nashville consulting firm focused on diversity and community engagement. And adults looking to return to college to finish their degree or considering college for the first time will have the opportunity to have their questions answered by MTSU representatives next month at Williamson Incorporated, which includes both the Williamson County Chamber of Commerce and Office of Economic Development. As a part of the university's Finish Now event series, representatives from MTSU's University College will be on hand from 3 to 6 p.m. Tuesday, May 17th at the Williamson Chamber, located at 4031 Aspen Grove Drive, Suite 630 in Franklin. Those in attendance will be able to talk one-on-one with degree coordinators, academic advisors, and admissions counselors from MTSU. The experts from MTSU will answer questions about transferring prior credits, choosing a degree program, getting admitted to the university, and enrolling in courses to get started. For MTSU News at any time, go to mtsunews.com. Sarah, welcome. Thank you for joining us. Yeah, thank you for having me. Most of your colleagues were from uh, University of California at Berkeley. How did you become involved with the project? So I was there as a postdoc for five years at UC Berkeley. Um, And this was a project that was organized and conceived during the last year of my postdoc. So I stayed on to 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 help write, you know, that proposal for the for the funding from the Gordon and Betty Moore Foundation, um, as well as conduct um, sampling efforts in Maria, along with um, the lead author, Todd Osmondson and um, the the corresponding author who was the um, the principal investigator for the lab, Maria um, in Matteo Garbolato. How were these fungi collected? We employed two different methods. Um, one, we used opportunistic sampling of fruit bodies because you want to collect everything um, that you can see. And so Anytime that we were out collecting, you know, whether it was a Zurich coastal forest or um, a music, you know, higher elevation forest or a high elevation cloud forest, 
we collected any species of fungi that we could see that, you know, was macroscopic, so more than two millimeters in size. And then we also used transect methods. Um, and along these transect methods, we would get down in the dirt, we would get a little bit dirty and, and kind of like scrub the floor and, and look for um, fungi that were found um, both in soil and on logs. And the reason we did that is that many, a lot of the fungi are inconspicuous. And a lot of times if you're just trampling through the forest um, along a trail, you can um, miss this type of, um, these types of fungi. So we wanted to make sure to capture this type of biodiversity from the island of Maria. We also sampled um, leaves and wood. Um, the leaves were easier to culture from than the wood, but we would, we would take leaf samples from a number of the dominant types of trees in these forests. And then we would, when we came back to the laboratory, we would try to, we would culture the fungi um, from the leaf samples. And we would also attempt to culture the fungi from the wood samples. Um, as is typical um, for many of these types of studies, there's um, um, higher diversity of fungi that are found in leaves and the substrate, it's a lot easier um, to culture from. Uh, we had a lot more success than we did um, from sampling from wood. So we conducted a number of studies, opportunistic, transect sampling, as well as um, collecting leaves and wood from dominant tree species. So there was a lot of physical work involved with this as well as a lot of scientific work. There was a, a deal, a good deal of physical work. Um, there was one um, time I took a trip to Moputo, which is like the second highest peak on that island. And I've never been so scared in my life. I mean, it's all hand over foot. I mean, there's ropes, you know, at most of the points. So, but you also then, you know, it's such a wet climate. You also kind of have to assume that the ropes are secured well when they're, you know what I mean? You're and afraid so, you're going to fall like 50 feet, right? Oh, and then you're standing when you're, when you're up in the top of the cloud forest. I mean, it's a sheer cliff. I mean, there's, there's no room for air. I will Wait. say after that experience, I'm not sure that I would have, you know, <laughs> Enjoyed. I, I, I certainly had my uh, my fill in this case of um, cloud forest and hiking in Maria, um, but there are other trails, you know, that were were, were obviously much more accessible and and things like that. You know, I was there um, for a lot of the opportunistic and transact transect sampling for two years. Um, some of the studies, so. Um, the first time I went, I stayed for two months on the island of Maria, and we went out essentially nearly every single day, uh, mostly on trails that were accessible um, from the research station. There were a few trails um, that other investigators and other people helping collect fungi on that particular island um, also took the high elevation the high elevation cloud forest trails. Um, I only did one of them, but most of them. Um, most of those hikes are, are, are pretty strenuous <laughs> and, um, and at much in, in many times of the year, areas are inaccessible. Um, most of those trails are, uh, require ropes um, for accessibility and um, very steep. And um, yeah, so it could be strenuous hiking across the island. 
Now, how do you know whether the species you've collected are totally new or just newly discovered? Well, that's that's it. We had to rely on um, publicly available databases um, to determine whether species had been found on other Polynesian islands or found similar species been found in Australia. Um, there was a good documented species list of fungi from the Hawaiian islands, which had been um, done by Dennis Desjardins and a number of colleagues at San Francisco State University and other collaborators. Um, so we found that there was not a lot of overlap in terms of species composition um, it, in um, the samples that were collected from Hawaii as well as the samples then that were collected from Maria. Um, so that was one way that we um, determined whether they were new. Um, other groups, we, other groups where we have um, other collaborators. I have another collaborator that I've worked closely with, my master's student advisor, and he has worked extensively on certain fungi that are found in Australia. So I have that database of collections from Australia that he had collected on a specific group of fungi in order to be able to compare them to the island of Maria. And even more interesting, what we found when we did that, there are some species that were found in Australia that are also dis distributed world, um, worldwide in tropical regions, just a few. The majority though of species that we collected in Maria were distinct, okay, different species, but closely related to species that had been found in Australia. So um, for certain groups of fungi, this is, is possible if there's been other um, well-documented um, studies undertaken to understand the diversity of fungi in a particular region, but there are not comparable studies in, um, on other Pacific islands. So we were left really to compare them with studies that have been done in Australia as well as studies that have been done in Hawaii. We'll take a break right here. We'll be right back. This is MTSU on the record. MTSU's Jewish and Holocaust Studies minor offers undergraduate students a chance to study the culture and religion of the Jewish people and the Holocaust in an interdisciplinary program. Studies include history and culture, theology and philosophy, and the arts and social sciences. Courses tackle vital topics central to local and global awareness, including multiculturalism and the meanings of diversity, religious tolerance, and genocide. For the latest MTSU news and information, go to mtsunews.com. The Intercultural and Diversity Affairs Center helps to promote awareness and understanding of the wide variety of cultures represented at MTSU. The center provides information, referrals, and resources. Additionally, IDAC tries to make students from different cultures feel welcome and comfortable on campus so they can have every opportunity to fulfill their academic, social, and personal potential. For all the latest MTSU news and information, go to mtsunews.com. Our guest is Dr. Sarah Bergman, who is a professor of biology, and she was a participant in and co-author of a study of uh, macro fungi on the island of Maria in the Pacific Ocean, about 11 miles northwest of Tahiti, where there's a likelihood of 
fungi that have never been documented anywhere else existing. Does the nature of Moria as a volcanic island have anything to do with the development of all of these species? Is that relevant? It's significant for this particular study and as a, um, a comparison to other studies for many re for reasons. First of all, it is a volcanic island. So essentially it means too that it was never connected um, by any landmass to any continental region. Morea is very isolated. Um, it is about halfway between Australia and Hawaii. So the isolation of this volcanic landmass in conjunction with the fact that it's never been connected to a landmass certainly suggests that the patterns that we see in terms of species diversity um, have to be linked um, to different colonization. Okay, one natural colonization. And fungi have really small propagules referred to as spores. Okay. So they have very small propagules. Fungi could get to the, that area in isolation um, by natural colonization, movement through the atmosphere or movement through the prevailing winds from continental land masses, or they could also be moved um, by introduction. So the Polynesians introduced many, um, introduced plant and animal species to that particular island in um, about 1300 years ago. And since subsequent introductions have involved uh, the English um, and the French and, and now introductions from tourism and trade, fungal propagules could be linked to those types of introductions as well. The majority of what we find though, when we look at the biogeographic signal, so what we did was compare the fungi in Morea to the database that exists um, for all fungi that is kept and monitored by the NCBI. It's called, referred to as GenBank. And what we find is that the, the, the majority of colonizations of fungi are most likely through natural colonization wind dispersal in this case of spores that have been transported. And we also see inter-island migration of particular species. So high levels of endemicism though. So you have examples in this case of long distance transport um, and in genetic divergence and subsequent genetic divergence and, and as a result of endemicism in Maria fungi. So with this multiplicity of factors, including human intervention, if you will, it's, it's a very complicated picture to try to sort out the sources and the factors that brought this condition into being. That is correct. It is. Um, I mean, when you look at the biogeographic signal, I mean, certainly, and even when you look at the collections, the collections for which we put names on them, certainly you cannot rule out human introductions. Um, for example, we found a particular species that is associated with Caribbean pine plantations. And the closest geographic match to that particular species, that large macro fruiting body, is a fungus that had been found, um, natu it found naturally in Europe. So you can't rule out colonizations, but the majority of fungi seem to match, closely match an endemic taxa that had been found in Australia. The other thing is that, you know, if you parse it out by habitat type, if you look at the coastal areas where you, you would find the, the majority of people living in Morea, um, you find kind of 
kind of dry xeric habitats with a lot of plant introductions. And most likely they represent a lot in this case of fungal introductions as well. The mid elevation and especially the high elevation, the high elevation, because it's so inaccessible, what you generally tend to find are a lot of endemic taxa in these high elevation um, cloud forests. And that is similar across other groups as well, including um, invertebrates. I was wondering, and I wonder if you and your colleagues wonder this too, what impact climate change might have had on the fungal population over the years? That's a good question, but it would be difficult to tell. So Maria, the age of Maria is about a million years. And we don't have necessarily, when you look at the diversity of fungi in Maria, we do not have a fossil record at all for comparison. Fungi are soft-bodied. There's very little scant um, records in terms of the um, ecological distributions that have occurred um, throughout, you know, the, the history of the island for the last million years. If we were able to reconstruct the fossil records, certainly we would find probably, you know, there have been changes in terms of the distribution of these particular fungi, but I'm not sure that that's well studied in terms of the society islands or these Eastern kind of Pacific islands, but it would be a good question to address. I think it would be better addressed. I mean, if you if you had a fossil record, um, it would be interesting to look at the impacts in terms of climate change that's had on um, marine taxa that are better preserved in terms of the fossilized assemblages. Good question. For those of us who are not particularly biology savvy, could you explain to us why fungi are important to ecosystems? If you were to look at the assemblage of fungi that were found on Morea, you will find that the majority of the, fun, the, the macrofungal assemblage and the fungi that we collected are saprobes, which means that they can decompose organic matter. So you're dealing with the organisms that have really the largest capabilities of decomposition as compared to any other organisms. They possess a suite in this case of enzymes capable of breaking down very complex substrates. They are important as litter and soil and wood decomposers. For one, they're also the only organisms which are capable of breaking down wood. And so when we look at other microorganisms that are capable of decomposition, they don't have this particular skill. Um, lignin, which is a, a strong or uh, uh, a very abundant component of wood, is essentially only decomposed um, in particular by fungi. So when we look at moran fungi, the majority of the fungi are saprobes. And many of them, in this case, are specialists based on litter, based on soil, or based on wood. The fungi that occupy the leaves that we were trying to sample are known as endophytic fungi. And that just means that they live within, they live inside of a tissue. Um, some of these, um, they may be beneficial. They may be symbiotic to that particular host. Many of these may have a commensal relationship where there's no impact on the host, but we don't know. They're, they're highly specialized and highly diverse communities that are not, that are not understood necessarily. Any knowledge, in particular, any um, 
taxonomic diversity studies would be a contribution to understanding kind of the role of these potential fungi in the ecosystems. We'll take a break here. We'll be back. Okay. This MTSU on the record. Tennessee's farm families contribute to our state's economy, nutrition, and culture. The Tennessee Century Farms Program at MTSU's Center for Historic Preservation acknowledges farms that have been in the same family at least 100 years. To date, the program has certified more than 1,500 farms. There's no cost to nominate a farm or be part of the program. For all the latest MTSU news and information, go to mtsunews.com. The MTSU Department of Art has the newest facility for visual arts in the state with approximately 50,000 square feet of space, including high-tech computers and computer-driven equipment for multimedia, graphic design, printmaking, sculpture, painting, and ceramics. We feature a visiting artist lecture program and an exhibition program that exposes students to work by national and international artists. To find out more, visit mtsunews.com. We're talking about the discovery of new species of fungi never before discovered on the island of Moria in the Pacific Ocean, about 11 miles northwest of Tahiti. And one of the co-authors of the study is Dr. Sarah Bergman, who is a professor of biology. Doctor, what do you think is the most important significance of, of this scientific discovery? I feel that this paper was able to address um, a couple of questions that had not been addressed in a tropical ecosystem this far, um, this isolated in the Pacific. First of all, the society islands where this study was conducted contain really a high level of endemic taxa in several plant and animal groups. Um, and, but because microscopic fungal spores are theoretically more easily dispersed than the propagules of plants or migration of animals, on, on the other hand, one might hy hypothesize that fungi exhibit lower levels of um, endemicism than other organisms. And this was clearly not the case. As I said, um, the collections appear to be endemic to French Polynesia, and the majority of them are endemic to French Polynesia and are distinct from, but more closely related to Australian species. I, I think biologists would have gotten the impression that there are lower levels of endemicism in fungi because they have spore propagules that can travel large distances, and this was not the case. I think um, the second part of this paper, I think that's really important to point out is that based on other biogeographical studies, the Society Islands um, where, where Maria is in French Polynesia near Tahiti, the animals and plants have a predominantly Australian source with an eastward migration and then subsequent colonization between islands. And our data on um, Fungi is congruent um, with this and suggests that there is a long and consistent biogeographical connection between the Australian region and these Pacific islands, supporting really the hypothesis of Australian um, source with subsequent migration, inter-island migration. Those were the main, I think, the conclusions of this particular paper that were important. What kinds of research do you think could be performed by a scientist using this study as a sort of a jumping off point to explore not the same territory, but similar areas of um, 
exploration. The funding for this particular project came from the Gordon and Betty Moore Foundation. And it wasn't um, just funding to barcode or produce a DNA species level identification database just for fungi, but all other non-microbial life. So essentially this represents in this case, an ecosystem approach um, for all taxa, plants, um, plants and animals. Uh, and, you know, and um, for example, uh, there's teams that have, excuse me, assembled a database of um, all the coral reef organisms on the island of Moran. So this sort of terrestrial approach um, to sequencing an entire ecosystem could be used by um, other ecologists to understand um, trophic interactions, interactions between different plants and animals and be, may be able to help answer questions in the future. It's truly fascinating. Uh, it, despite all of our many space explorations, there's still so much about our own planet that we still don't know. When you're dealing with diversity of taxa, I mean, certainly the taxa in the neotropics, in the new world, in Central and South America, are very are highly diverse. Um, many of the the plants and fungi, I mean, uh, and animals have been undocumented and undiscovered, and that is most likely true for any tropical taxa. Certainly, we find the highest level of species diversity in the new world. This kind of you know these kinds of studies in terms of biodiversity certainly. Um, will be influential in determining the resilience that we see in terms of our communities and diversity in the, in the face of global climate change. The study was published in the Journal of Biogeography, and one of the co-authors is Dr. Sarah Bergaman, a professor of biology who has been our guest today. Congratulations on your, on your good work and hard work, and thank you for being our guest on MTSU on the record. Okay, thank you for having me. We'll be right back. The mission of the June Anderson Center for Women and Non-Traditional Students is to provide education, advocacy, direct services, outreach, and programming for the MTSU campus and surrounding community on gender-related issues. The center also assists older students who are trying to balance work, college, and family. It also sponsors a monthly legal clinic, career brownback series, book club, and a newsletter twice a year. For all of the latest MTSU news and information, go to mtsunews.com. The American Democracy Project is a nonprofit initiative which strives for greater voter registration and civic participation among young people at MTSU and at campuses nationwide. Through encouragement from professors and peers, young adults are shown the value of being more active citizens in their community, their state, and their nation. ADP seeks to nurture programs that raise the campus community's level of engagement with society. For all the latest MTSU news and information, go to mtsunews.com. Jimmy Hart has the middle moment. MTSU graduate student Jessie Bunton was thrilled she and her husband's plan for the custom cabinetry business came out on top in this year's business plan competition sponsored by the Department of Management in the Jones College of Business. The couple also took home the top cash prize of $8,000 among the six finalists. Here's Bunton. 
I'm very overwhelmed. I have so much faith in my husband's product, um, and now I'm building a lot of confidence in my business skills. When we started our business, I was very overwhelmed because I'm not, I never, not a business undergrad, I'm not a business grad. Like, so the, the order of steps to start a business was very overwhelming initially because this business plan competition really did force me to think in an, organ, like an organized way and to look deep into our business, just dig deeper into the details that would have procrastinated much longer. That's MTSU on the record. I'm Jenna Logue. Thanks for listening. MTSU on the record, a news and information program about Middle Tennessee State University, is produced by the university's marketing and communications office, which is solely responsible for its content. Read more about MTSU at our website, mtsunews.com. Podcasts of this program are available at mtsunews.com and on iTunes.